Hello, this is Editing Tea Staffer here, jumping in for a quick content warning. At around 38 minutes and 30 seconds into this episode, we talk about an SCP that features sexual assault, and go into that topic quite a bit. We talk about that until around 45 minutes and 15 seconds, so if you'd like to not listen to that stuff, skip ahead at 38.30 until 45.15. Enjoy the show! Hello and welcome to the Skip Squad Podcast, where you don't care what you write, we care about what you love. I'm T. Staffor. And my name is Luke Psycho. And today we are joined by... Captain Kirby. Aye aye, Captain. We have a real professional on here. Oh my god, I'm so nervous. <laughs> Funny enough, I, I still, I, I actually have gotten paid for my writing, but it was like six bucks and it was like eight years ago. <laughs> Can what I ask what it was? Yeah. Uh, back in high school, I wrote a novel. It's terrible. It it it, it is garbage. But uh, you can take anything and put it up on on Amazon and self publish it with like no overhead if you're only distributing the digital version. And I got like people bought it, and not even not even people I knew. There's one review on there from someone in like Louisiana, I think. No clue who this person is. That's impressive. But they paid like $3 for a 16-year-old's novel and it's I, I wouldn't do it, but I appreciate that someone did it. <laughs> what was was the review good? It was four stars. They were impressed that a 16-year-old wrote it and they said that it could have gone through another round of proofreading and I'm like, <laughs> "Fair enough." <laughs> I think the best money I made when I was like younger was like at like 12, I joined Fiverr to draw logos, which I literally just like drew with markers on a piece of paper and then like took a picture of it with my mom's iphone and sent it to people but like at least two random people ordered logos from me which was crazy oh my god you're you're creating look at you oh my god i don't have any stories like that i'm an artist so i get like commissions but i quit that now you quit that yeah i gave up like yesterday actually I know. I literally like looked at that page two days ago because I was thinking of, oh, maybe I should add that link to the descriptions. Yeah, I just, you know what? If you're going to learn anything, getting paid for writing, getting paid for art, getting paid for logos, eventually you're just like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. When I could just draw stuff I enjoy. Getting paid to be creative, is it like, it's it's both a reward, but also it's, it's um, it's its own penalty in a way. Because you don't really feel like you're doing it for the hell of it. You feel like you're doing it for the money. And that's like... A lot of times I'm confused at that saying, like, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Because I'm scared, like, if I do what I love, I'm going to hate what I love. Yep. No, that's why I'm not pursuing art. I mean, I think that's where you figure out difference between a career and your hobbies. Because, I mean, I can I can launch into that later. <laughs> Absolutely. But we are here to talk about what you love. What, what, what even is that? I don't know what love is, actually. Can we, like got a breakdown or something like i mean you're asking the wrong person here how many people have you killed none yet (laughs) if this podcast goes badly it might be two (laughs) when you get your first kill just tell me and i think that's how we'll decide what love is noted noted anyways welcome to the podcast about talking about our first kills uh this is our first person we have on that has zero confirmed 
but perhaps some are in the air. Maybe you've like maybe like causation. Did we kill our first two guests? I think our first, both of our joint first kills. Oh, I don't know about your background, Iko, but I think it was just Grigori is the first person we've like killed. Oh yeah, I was I was fed up with that guy. Quite honestly. Did you have any confirmed kills before that? Oh, <laughs> I have three hundred confirmed kills. Okay, kid. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Kirby, I know that you're still getting used to the whole sight of blood thing, so we won't talk too much about that. But I did see that today you po- you passed me a little note and you said, Iko, Iko, look at these funny little things I read. And I went, aw, that's so cute, Kirby. What the fuck is an SCP? Honestly, based. Um. <laughs> based? I'll add that to my, vac- my, my vocabulary. But... I see quite a few good things today that I'm very excited to touch on. I think there's only a few I don't know, but I'm very excited to see how you explain one of these in particular. Um, shall we jump into it? When, whenever you're ready. Whenever you're ready, you gotta introduce him. <sighs> okay. Besides. I know, I'm so fed up with introductions. I just want to know interesting things about Kirby. If you don't know, guys, this is our good friend, Captain Kirby who does not write for the wiki, does not read the wiki, does not know any languages, actually, I think. You were raised on the sea. Which one? Um, actually, I was raised on a far and away distant planet that's shaped oh, that's like awesome. a cartoonish star. Was there water there? What? No. What? No, 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 no. no. How you misunderstand. How? How are you Drinking? Drinking? No, 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 no. I just absorb energy from the people around me. I might have more kills now than I thought. Is that where my life force is going? <laughs> yeah, it's how I actually continue to write not for the wiki, is I just absorb all the creative powers from the people around me. Because I was obviously not born with any myself. That's why you seemingly seem like a big member of the SCP wiki, but you've not written a single thing for it ever. It's, you're just here to get the energy. Wow, that's messed up. That's really messed it's up. It's impressive. It really is. I am ubiquitous, uniform, and omnipotent, and yet no one can find a single article of mine on the site. <laughs> That's not why you brought me on here, though, right? You, ta- you brought me on not because I had any kind of moral compass. You brought me on because I could rant for an hour and a half or hour and change about some random pieces of internet writing. Well, apparently it's going to be an hour and a half because every single episode we've done is getting longer. We started out at like 54 minutes, and this latest one is like hour 15. We're just going to keep making this longer. So, Kirby, how long can you last? And then I cock the gun. <laughs> oh, I will outlast both of you. Oh, awesome. Yeah, how long, how long is the age range of your species? At least 300, but honestly, I haven't checked because I don't know anyone who has ever died. Your species has only been around for 300 years? I've only been around for 100 and some change. I don't get out all that much. <laughs> you gotta cross it to a whole new planet. That's pretty out. Well, not necessarily by choice. To our banished alien friend over here. What's your first favorite SCP? I wouldn't say this is like my favorite SCP of all time, but it's one of the ones that I think of a lot when I think of what I want to see on the site. Uh, and it is uh, SCP-2188 by Callan, the life and times of Joaquin Pablo Izquierdo de San Felipe. Pop, 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 pop. Pronunciation? I practiced. <laughs> that was it. 
insane. I, I, I didn't, honestly, my brain completely skipped that one when, uh, when I was looking at the floaty words in the air. I just skipped on to the next one and tried to ignore whatever was above it. But can you tell us a bit about this funny little thing? Right, right. So um, the anomaly that the article is based around is this relationship between uh, Joaquin and a town, specifically the town of Dotson, Nebraska. Uh, Joaquin is essentially uh, an eccentric. That's There's a lot of words to describe him, but I think the most all-encompassing one is an ex- eccentric artist from... Uh, South America typically has spent most of his life around Montevideo uh, in in Uruguay. And there has essentially been established a link between the uh, various antics that uh, Joaquin has been up to and the creative and artistic uh, subculture in Dotson, Nebraska, and how that evolves kind of like to, to match... Uh, the things that Joaquin does. And so the article, there's not a lot, uh, it's not an article that has a really big, massive concept or is really trying to mess with you. It's a much, I would call it like a softer article, uh, like soft-spoken, I guess, if I was to anthropomorphize it. And what you mostly see is these clips and these little uh, excerpts from field reports of the one agent that the foundation sent to essentially keep an eye on Joaquin and make sure that he doesn't get up to anything too ridiculous. Because if he does, then who knows what's going to happen to the residents of Dotson. So I was immediately hooked by this one with the premise. SCP premises can sometimes get a little tired and it's more just like, what they do with that premise than what the premise is. But for Mm -hmm. this one, like immediately, this is the combination of some random artist in Uruguay and the town of Dotson, Idaho, not Idaho, whatever it is. Nebraska. Nebraska. And that's just like the best It's the Midwest United States. (laughs) Ah, another American. I have enough of you around me. Yeah, but this this one isn't all about the Americans. It, it has it has some variety to it. It has some cultural texture. Oh my uh, god! Thank God, I couldn't tell by the name that's like five hundred syllables long. Wow, <sighs> Ico racist arc. What? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm French. Listen, it's in my blood. Ah, uh, that that explains a lot. There okay. Um, <laughs> but also just the. The way the, like, notes are written, you, you see a lot of these, like, series of journal entries things, but this one has a beautiful way of having a setup and a closing to each journal entry. Like, for instance, the first journal entry is about uh, the agent first coming in contact with Pablo and having drinks with him. And so then the closing is, like, three different examples of art done by the people of Dotson relating to it. And so like he goes and meets Pablo and has a drink with him. And so one of the things is uh, tea with strangers by Willie John Lincoln in the blues song performed for the first time at red feathers tavern by Mr. Lincoln playing unaccompanied on acoustic guitar. So it's just like he had tea with a new guy. So people sang tea with strangers. And then like also the opening to each of these has like 
a summary of events and a result. And so, like, the result of this is minor inner injuries to Agent Esquivel to civilians subdued with non-lethal weaponry. So that's a great, like, opening. That, that's the, the next. Yes. Yeah. That's the next yeah, one. Yeah, that's the that. next one. Because, it's... It, well, specifically, the contrast between the summary and the result is what... Because, like, the, the, like, like to, to read the full bit, the summary is, Mr. Izquierdo requests uh, Agent Esquivel's assistance on an errand in the barrio of La Figurita. And that's pretty mundane. And and so when you see the the result of minor injuries, civilian subdued, non-lethal rep- weaponry, that immediately creates a hook of, well, how did this go so wrong? Yes. Um, and it creates like this very, this immediate sense of anticipation and tension, which is really nice because essentially, especially when you're talking about SEPs, um, and the kind of the crowd that that is catering to, I think that Kalanen did not need to write this summary and results part. Like it, it, it like he could have done away with it. But it's a really good thing to hook you in because essentially, if you actually look through the the agent's comments, it's very atmospheric. It's very kind of traditional prose. And it doesn't try to make itself big or super dynamic. It's trying to be very uh, genuine because it's mostly trying to give you an insight into uh, uh, Agent Esquivel and, and Joaquin. Because this ultimately, ultimately, this is just a massive character study, uh, punctuated by four—I I forget if it's four or five—I forgot to count—like uh, four or five uh, individual vignettes taken from the time that these two men spent together. And so the vignettes themselves are, in terms of the the wild and wacky shenanigans of SCP, relatively tame. But by opening each of these sections with the summary and the result, uh, there's just an immediate hook that means that the actual content itself doesn't need to go big because there's already something else that is pulling the reader along. Like, how did this reach this point? And that also allows you to, to really kind of feel some sense of anticipation as you go through what is some of, I think, the smoother prose on the site. Uh, I used to think that this piece was like the smoothest prose on the site overall, but I reread it last night, and it, like it's a little bumpier than I remember, but still, it's really good. Um, and you, it, it's rare that you see just at a sentence to sentence level something on SCP that really knows how to create a mood, which it isn't helped that a lot of SCP is written in clinical tone, and the parts that aren't are generally like interview logs where. The sentences are, are all dialogue, and those kind of abide by their own rules. But here, the it's very much just letting the prose do a lot of the emotional and structural heavy lifting that creates the insight that you see into these two characters. And I think that one of the reasons why I come back to this and think of, oh, this is the kind of thing I wish I saw on the site more often, is because... It's not like writing has gotten. I'm not. This isn't me trying to sit here and say, "Oh, back in the day, all of the articles were so much better than they are nowadays." I think that this is that that this kind of prose and an article that has just sentences and sentence structure that really pops and uh, makes you want to read it for the word-to-word uh, interplay. I think that that's kind of rare to find it across the site at any point in time. And I think this is one of the best examples of seeing it in an SCP. Honestly, one of the other articles I was thinking to bring up here, but it's one that I think a lot more people know of, but it makes really good use of this just so we have a modern example is 3352 Bethlehem Steel, 
by the great hippo because what it does is that it takes its uh, clinical tone, which it takes a few liberties with, but then it punctuates it with just direct excerpts from people describing the incident that Bethlehem Steel is about. And it kind of does something very similar to this in a way where 2188 has each of its artistic tables, like the tables that show the art uh, from Dotson, and it uses those bits of uh, clinical tone and those descriptions to punctuate and tie back into these really nice vignettes, it, which is like, it's, it's one of those things where it's really abusing the SCP format to like tell a very ex, uh, experimental story without, yeah, it is. it doesn't feel like it needs to play too much into the fact that it's a document. It's able to justify itself, but it doesn't feel like it needs to because it knows that the strength of the prose and the strength of these vignettes, even if these vignettes were just published almost entirely separately from the rest of the article, they would stand very well on their own. There's a part in it, too, where you can really get a sense of the character of the agent, where he kind of seems like an SCP fanboy, <laughs> where a very like mundane thing will be happening. Like he'll be going to it, a poem reading, but like, while one of the poets is reading, he's like, I feel like I've been sucked into a time SCP. And I was really suspicious of if a big, bigger thing was afoot or another time he's like this, how this guy is acting could really just be its own SCP here and stuff. He always, I feel like he really wants to be on a bigger project than just hanging out with this guy. But then he kind of, Grows to enjoy hanging out with this guy. Which is really, yeah. really cute. You know, it's just like you used to have her every day. Yeah. She's addicted to, like, SCPs, if you don't know. I I really want to just hang out with Aiko and pretend that she's an SCP. She's my little SCP. Yeah, which I practically am. I'm like an anomaly. Yeah. Don't put the letter P anywhere near my name. <laughs> Sorry. Go on. Uh... I was going to say, I imagine you have to have some connection to these things if you want to make a whole podcast about them. Oh, absolutely. And uh, please let me out of the cage. Please let me out of the cage. Please, please, please. Not until you record another 45 minutes. (laughs) But one of the other things, though, that I also wanted to know is that just there's a lot of articles that have like theming and like kind of clear messaging on the site. And one of the things that I think 2188 does really well is that it kind of blends the messaging and builds upon it. Like the concept of escalation is a common thing throughout a lot of fiction, but it's like super, super focused on an SCP because that's one of the main ways that you're going to kind of create this tension when you aren't necessarily looking at like a character trying to overcome a conflict is that you just want to escalate and you can get things bigger and bigger and bigger. And here as the, the nature and kind of wildness of these vignettes kind of escalates, also, does the clarity of the thematics and messaging of the actual article also escalates, and and, and it culminates all in a point where um where is the, where, where is the line? It's it's in the fourth one or second to last one. Pretty sure it's there's five and this is the fourth one, where uh after after all this stuff has happened, Joaquin has had all these portraits com- commissioned and they turn them around and they aren't actually portraits of. Uh, Joaquin, even though that's what he requested, they're all portraits of different people from Dotson. And and the agent's like, oh my god, did did I just accidentally let the subject discover he's part of an anomaly? And instead, he he says, 
Don't you see, they have always been here, in the realm of, an, of the unexpressed idea, waiting for their opportunity, and they got tired of waiting. So here they are, coming to us of their own accord, being themselves and me at the same time. I am, we all are, all of us of this realm, the natural flow of something, I'm not sure what. It's returning somehow. Do you understand what I mean? And that line, like, kind of very much puts the, like, point of the article on its face. But the thing is that uh, Joaquin has been built up in such a way that usually if you're going to be so direct about what is the article about, what is going on here, even if it's not giving real answers, if it's, like, direct, uh, directly addressing it, usually it's going to feel a little flat. It's going to feel a little bit like you're bashing the reader over the head with it. But here, this line is so incredibly... Wa- like, it's so very, very Pablo. Because throughout it, the whole thing, his whole entire character is out making these grandiose, semi-philosophical statements that sound ridiculous. And so when you get to this one, you're like, yeah, classic Pablo. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's one that's, like, basically true. <laughs> he is an anomaly that's connected. Yeah, he's, like, right on the money. But it doesn't feel like... It doesn't feel forced. It feels like it flows right nicely, and the line feels perfectly in character. And I think a lot of articles would actually just stop here. Because, like, there's a thing in SCP where uh, oftentimes in any kind of story, you want kind of the, the last moment to be the most impactful one. And usually that means, like, right like immediately after the climax, you kind of, that, that, that's kind of the mo- like the, the climax hits, the reader has the most impactful moment, and then kind of anything after that's going to feel like slower and not quite right. And so what a lot of SCPs kind of do in line of just kind of not actually answering questions and not really finishing out their plot, which is a very horror SCP kind of trope, a lot of them will just stop right after the climax. So you'll get that line, you'll get that the line at the end of that, which is, I understand completely, and then this little, maybe like the little table, and then a lot of articles would end here. But Kaladin is like, no, I want to give this story a complete and entire uh, feel to it. You, you, Because uh, even though that would be right after the climax and kind of be at the high point of the article, it wouldn't feel complete. Because a lot of SCP articles, they feel satisfying, but they don't necessarily feel complete. And so Kaladin actually writes a denouement of falling action to the story, which you don't it's not like nobody ever does this in SCP, but it's a lot less common than you would see in traditional fiction. Definitely, definitely. It's a nice, just like, ending to an article. Yeah, you get to you yeah. get to see the, the culmination of the relationship. You spoke so passionately, I'm like, I'm like lost for words. <laughs> Damn, that was like an article within itself, Kirby. <laughs> I told you, I could ramble for an hour and a half uninterrupted. It's not even rambling, it's just like, I don't know, it's just so nice. Thank you. How long has your podcast been off the air? Like a year by now? Yeah, you've had like a year of buildup of podcast energy and you're just dumping it. Uh, Close enough. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty close. (laughs) Well, let's move on to our our second one. Yeah, Kirby, come on. Let's move on. Jeez. It's been like 25 minutes. We're bored. It's been two years. How could you have done this? (laughs) Please. Please help us. (laughs) <laughs> Kirby locked us in the basement and won't let us leave. <laughs> uh, you thought that I was trapped here with you. And then I turned around and I realized that you had the key. Yep, yep. All right. That's horrifying. Yes, yes. So we, we want to move on to, to something that's borderline plug because we're finally reaching an end of death article. Yeah, 
<laughs> Captain Kirby found a way to backdoor his own stuff in twice in this list. Oh my god. For what it is worth, I j- like like these <laughs> two articles, even though they are end of death, they are some of my favorite stories, period. Like yes. they are no, they're so incredible. good. Like Hypno Trailing Hypno Trailing might be like the single best GOI format on the site. It's a close race between it and my father's values. Is that a project proposal? What is that? It's it's um are we cool yet? Very old are we cool yet uh project proposal. Yeah. Um it's absolutely slaps. I recommend I, I, I do like like if you haven't read it, actually pause this podcast and go read that now and then come back and we're gonna talk about a different article. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really great one. You need the context of that one to know uh everything that we don't talk about about it. Exactly. You should go read it before you hear anyone else have opinions on it, so that way you can form your own. Because I'm gonna get, I'm going to force feed you my opinions on Hypno Trailing. In the comments, someone's gonna be like, "Yeah, I thought it was fucking shit." <laughs> well, and that's okay. There are so many people in the world who are just wrong. Uh, it's so true. And also, before you move on from it, it is Hypno Trailing by the. Uh, I see why you didn't say who it was by. I'm freaking out. So I pronounce it Vladimir. I think it's Vladimir. Vladimir. That's how I've pronounced it. He went through so many other names that were all so much more pronounceable. I wanted to say like Void Hammer. I would have said Vladimir, because we just skip out the A E. But you know what? For ease, Vladimir. You know what? It'll be in the description. <laughs> I think so. We're, yeah. we're fine. Captain <laughs> Kirby said it. It is his good fault for choosing such a difficult to pronounce name. I have told him about this. He's great. He was one of my collaborators on End of Death, but he also knows what he has done. Uh, I mean, a ritual at the start of, like, joining any voice chat for me is people saying, hey, how do you pronounce your name? So I'm used to it. But yes, um, so this is an End of Death article. If you are not familiar with End of Death, what are you doing? Me, nervously. <laughs> I, I, I don't know anything about End of Death, by the way, in brackets. How? How? Kirby, don't look at me like It's that. fine. <laughs> Anyways, essentially, everyone in the world is immortal, but it's not like Eternal Youth style. That's all you really need to know for the context of this article. There'll be more context when we get to the second end of death article on the list. Uh, but for now, that's all you need to know for this one. Because essentially, Hypnotrailing is an article about uh, Marshall Carter and Dark trying to sell people a, uh, a drug that will allow them to not die, but fall asleep essentially forever there's like there's a lot to the article it takes that premise and it just it says a lot of things about that premise of what does what does eternal sleep mean in a like trying to sell eternal sleep in a world where everyone is immortal because again it's not truly death but it is that you are unconscious and so like there's like three main parts to it there is the first part which is like it's so in every Marshall Carter and Dark article, there's a little bit at the top that they all have to fill in. It's kind of like the standard, like, item number, object class, special containment procedures, description, bit of the SCP, but for Marshall Carter and Dark. And one of those things that you have to fill in for Marshall Carter and Dark is demand, which for hypnotrailing is none slash high. And so the first part of this article that Great I think really kind of makes it pop is... There's this small section where one of the people uh, who essentially is like running this part of the Marshall Carter and Dark Empire, the person kind of in charge of selling uh, these pills, is 
essentially justifying kind of like a like an esoteric object class why none slash high works. There, there's a metaphor where life is a pizza, <laughs> and it's so good. It's so ridiculous. It's the sort of thing where it's like it's Marshall Carter and Dark, so it's very brute brutal in a way like it's very in your face very capitalist like this is the way that the world works yes your life is just like a pizza it has no value after it's been eaten there's something we talked about in a previous episode was another marshall carter and dark thing but it was just more about marshall carter and dark being really cool and stuff and this really just goes to show how the foundation is cold and unfeeling to people but it's kind of for the greater good in a way and stuff but marshall carter and dark are unfeeling towards people in a just people are people that we can get money out of we're done with them and it's so dark marshall carter and dark are actively predatory this article has my full my my the most terrifying four words i've read on the entire site including first family order Oh, yes. The 2025 order, including first family order. You're advertising like a family suicide bundle. It's, it, the implication is just, it's not remarked on. Everything is just dropped in there and it's, wow, love it. So good. So terrifying. The complete disregard for anything that they say is just so good. They talk about, like, yeah. mass murder and stuff, and they're just like, well, that was actually a pretty bad day for sales. And then one of the other thing is, and then the other, like, kind of part of the article that it transitions into is talking about, uh, first of all, that there is a black market version that doesn't quite, that, that doesn't actually work. Like, it, it goes around, and people are buying it because it's obviously cheaper than hypnotraline because a lot of people are, Marshall Carter and Darker is going to sell it for a premium. It's what they do. But the issue with the with the black market one is that if you if you take it, there is a chance that you become quote unquote a screamer. Essentially, people who they aren't just falling asleep and being unconscious, but they are being tortured with endless nightmares. That's what I was scared you were gonna say. The moment we started speaking about eternal sleep, I was like, God, I couldn't do that because I'm scared that I would have like I'd be stuck in a nightmare for the rest of my life. Yep. No, and that's that's exactly what you get with the black market stuff. Thank God. But like, really, where the whole thing ties together is they're like, we need to up sales. How about what we do is that we pump out and we aid in the uh, I'm trying I'm trying to remember the exact. The exact marketing strategy, because I, I did not reread this one before. Well, it's it's basically they pump out the fake one, or like the really bad knockoff version, and make people screamers intentionally, so that people are like, oh, I want to get the good stuff. Right, yeah, essentially they use it as like a marketing campaign for the good version. That was it, that was it. It's it's one of these things where, where the concept of the article is terrifying overall, but it's just the way that a lot of the... Uh, the moment-to-moment stuff is handled and how it characterizes not just Marshall Carter and Dark, but there's very there's two very distinct people in this article. There's uh, Suyun Lee and uh, Jisoo Kim, uh, and they're because they're both working on this together. And Suyun Lee is definitely more of the compassionate one, whereas Jisoo Kim is definitely more of the hardcore capitalist. Despite it being a Marshall Carter and Dark piece, and you don't see a lot of them in it. There are parts where they write, there's transcripts of their conversation, and you still get a really 
good idea for who these people are. So you still get a little narrow window into uh, the minds of the people behind the operation and not just the brutality of the operation itself. You get to see the pushback. You get to see the, what the fuck are we doing to people? You get to see who is behind the pizza, life is a piece of pizza analogy. Overall, it cultivates, again, a very predatory, very brutal uh, picture of Marshall Carter in Dark, which is very much in line with the overall tone of End of Death, because End of Death does not want you to like immortality by the end of it. Oh, no. <laughs> um, in my opinion, I think Marshall Carter and Dark's just GOI format is probably the best one. There are, like, fun ones, like the Wilson's Wildlife Solution one and stuff, but I think the Marshall Carter and Dark is the most, like, distinct from an SCP format and most, like, um, restricting in a way that really produces great distinct content that really has the yeah. Marshall Carter and Dark feel to it. I definitely agree. I think I think Marshall Carter and Dark is probably the, the yeah, the most distinct while also giving you a lot of fun restrictions to play off of. I think the other one though that I would put up there is the Honoroi format. The thing with the Honoroi format isn't that you are restricted in the what it intends to do, but in that there's a kind of vibe and idea and a very lack of cohesion that having all these different uh, modes of text and a really wide variety of presentation styles kind of comes together and, and creates, but it's also really hard to make good use of that. Marshall Carter and Dark, though, is a lot, it's a lot more well-grounded. The actual group of interest has a lot more immediate character behind it, and it allows you to do essentially the business side of SCP, which you can do in an SCP. But the Marshall Carter and Dark format definitely lends itself in a way to support what if anomaly but business. I don't think Kirby knows that I own Onoroi. I thought that was Solus's <laughs> thing. No, I, I picked it up and I, I was going to redid the hub and redid all the format and all that. <laughs> well, 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 look who's turned the tables. Oh my god, what an insult. I mean, I say this having written... I've written, like, one of the what? There's, like, 15 Honoroi formats, and I think I have, like, the second or third highest rated one. You know, I was, at first I was like, oh my god, you're complimenting me so much right now. And then you're like, the format sucks. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does. I can barely salvage it. I just, a little behind the scenes, I saw, like, the green circle of Aiko's thing light up, like, 15 different times since Captain Kirby mentioned Odoroi. My main interaction with it was I had to, I, I decided there is, um, it was all a dream was one of the categories for a jam con a few years ago. I think it was, I think it was 2020. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to write an honorary format. And let me tell you, I spent more time formatting that than writing the actual content. Yeah, Estrella and I tried to make it easier. I didn't own it at that time. This is like very recently within the last month. The format is a fucking nightmare. And the yes, problem is. is that because of how it was made, it is literally impossible to change the theme now for, for to the new one, because a lot of people like the new one, because of how messy, like, you'd have to redo every block of text because of how they make you format it. It's a nightmare, which, <laughs> pun, you know. <laughs> it was a lot to go through, especially when I only had, like, 48 hours. 
most of it was probably put into trying to make it look pretty without making it look like a agonizing. Oh, it, it looked pretty agonizing. I put it into making it look readable, which it's barely even that. Don't worry, nothing you write is readable. It's because I don't write anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ba ba bum where did you come from? Where did you go? What's your experience with the SCP Foundation? What was the first article you read? Every time this makes me want to die. Nailed it. Oh, that's a consistent jingle? Wonderful. Yeah. I, I, I oh. thought that was on the spot. Uh, <laughs> it. I, I strive to make it feel on the spot every time. Completely improv made up every time. Terribly. Nailed it. Nailed it. So, I... Only started. I only learned the site existed in like November of 2017. I, I watched. I watched a streamer, which I realize I'm gonna say this out loud. YouTube might be too young to know who this is because he was never like huge, but his mate his heyday was like during StarCraft Two. Uh, I think you mean Minecraft, not StarCraft. He mispronounced that pretty bad. Oh God, that made me feel old. Um, <laughs> but his name is Day Nine. Uh. Real name Sean Plot, and he was he he had read the site. He and he was talking about SCP-093. Um, I also heard him mention on stream a few times that he bought the anti memetics uh, division book, stuff like that. Like he's a fan of the he was a fan of the site, and he was talking about how 093 was one of like his favorite pieces of horror. And so I went. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll go. I'll go see what this is all about. And I didn't actually immediately read 093. I'm like, do I have to go through these in order? Because uh, I had oh, no, no clue. Like, I oh, had no. zero introduction. So I was one of those people who kind of, like, started at 01, and I got, like, through a few of them. And then I realized one of my friends also liked the site. Like, he had mentioned it to me, but I just didn't parse for whatever reason. So I, I, I messaged him. He's like, no, you just read them in whatever order. But the funny thing is, essentially, I read SCP, like, a lot for the next two days. And then I realized that there was a contribute button on the site. I'm like, oh, oh, I can write this. And so I made an account, like, I, I think I, I got accepted to the site about a week after I learned it even existed, and then I published my first SCP, like, two weeks after that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm so lost. You've written for this site? You were only allowed on here because you hadn't ever contributed to anything Don't worry, to the site. it was deleted, so well, it's as if I never like? did. Oh, this makes sense. <laughs> yeah, okay. I actually don't think it was. I think it's actually still up. Do you still have your first article? I think I do, but it's terrible. It's not good. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's not a good article. I'm surprised it wasn't deleted. Better to have it that way. Funnily, I have, I still have my first article up and it's done pretty well, but I've deleted the three or four I did right after it. That's the thing. That's my issue too. My first article is my best one. Like I can tell you right now, it's the highest quality writing I have on the site. And it's been like two years and every other thing I've released, I'm like, this isn't it. This isn't it. I need to delete this eventually. I need to get rid of it. I need to get rid of it. It's a curse. Yeah, that, that article is just, it's up because I don't bother to delete it because it's my first one, but yeah. it's not good. E everything else I've written since is much, much better. <sighs> anyway, I think that's a, that's a good enough interlude. Uh, what about this next SCP? 3512. I think most people are generally aware of 3512. It's one of the few articles on the site that has over 500 upvotes and is still underrated because it should have won 3K. I am a big fan. I, I, I enjoy 3000. I enjoy Anastasia. I enjoy Red Reality. But neither of those struck the same amount of discomfort and fear into me as 3512 did. Yeah, the more you know by Peasel. 
or Sewell. I actually don't know how you pronounce his name. I say I say I say Psol as though it like you're saying Paul or something. Psol. Psol. Yeah. Psol. I've heard different theories. I've never asked him. Even when he was back on the site, I never I, I never got around to asking him. So before you go into this basically at all, I just I just wanted to read a slight uh, excerpt from one of the pages of the book that's in it because this kind of tells you all you need to know about the premise of this article, which is the first thing you need to do is stop thinking of hot women as women. In fact, stop thinking about them as people. Think of them like instruments. Before you can play them, you need to know how to tune them. This chapter will show you how to find the resonance frequency of any woman, which is just... Ugh. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I I guess trigger warning. Yeah, trigger warning for the part, because I'm going to... This is an art, like, I think one of the reasons why it hit me so hard is that this article is just an allegory for date rape and, like, pickup culture and that entire really disgusting kind of, like, misogynistic, I guess nowadays it's, I, I, I think, I think instead of pickup artist, the term that you hear more that I would say is associated with this type of culture is, like, like the alpha males, sigma male, like all that really fucking cringe. It's about it's 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 kind of about that culture, but then very specifically, um, kind of the some of the events and some of the things that takes place are very akin to uh, what one might describe as as date rape. The the nature of the kind of injections are kind of subduing the victims and making them instead of incapacitating incapacitating them entirely, making them more. Uh, like open to suggestion and and, and 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 agreeable, and also just like randomly screaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and then also the the way that that it ends, uh, with the exploration log deep into the chasms and like that kind of that really gross kind of, with all of the I, I need to remember exactly what the imagery is because I think it was like tentacles in the. There's end. also like a river of fat. Yes. Yes, it's it's this really kind of gross, disgusting concept of like of being dragged back home to someone's house. But yeah, there's there, there's a, there's a big like like it doesn't go the full way. It doesn't actually because one of the things I say is an article essentially about uh, pickup culture and kind of mimicking the events that might uh, happen during date rape. Uh, but it never says it never says at least the date rape part out loud. It follows those steps, and it has a lot of similarities, but it never says it out loud. And instead, what would be that very graphic and uh, scene of someone of, of of actual sexual assault? It it kind of has this instead like a literal monster, like the fat in in, in the river, and like it replaces it with this eldritch being. Which yeah, it's this giant like mound who has like eight tentacled arms that are actually like human spines. Yeah, like, it's it's a lot. And I think one of the things about the article is that, like, because it never says, like, there, there, there is the thing that you read, and there's the very literal what the art happens in the article, and then there is the very real-life thing that it is basing it off of. Not, again, not just pickup culture and that kind of misogyny, but also the, uh, the much more uh, visceral and um, physically... Uh, physically assaultive side of it it never says that out loud one of the things that always made me feel a little weird about recent things about the article is that they put the adult content warning on it which is perfectly valid like it's very fair to put that warning on there there's a lot of stuff that's triggering in the article 
it's generally a good move. But the thing that it also does is that it says the quiet part out loud and it changes a lot of the way that the article reads. Because when I read this article um, first, it like that was before the wiki was doing the, the, the content warnings the way that it does it now. Um, but I think the fact that it's able to create such a feeling of disgust towards these people and the real life actions without again, without saying the quiet part out loud is a lot of the reasons why I think it really is really good. Um, and also one of the reasons why I think it handles such a, an easily sensationalized topic such as date rape. I think it handles it relatively well because again, it never comes out and says what it's about. You can, you can understand it and you can, and I know that, that I think that if it said what it was about, then there would be more, I would say that that it would not hit anywhere as hard and it would feel a little more weird to compare it to something like this. But again, it never says it out loud. It's a it's a clear allegory, but it's never it, it, it never tells you what it's about. And therefore the horror can kind of stand on its own separate from the allegory, but the allegory also hits really, really hard. That was really intensive. <laughs> the article is very visceral. I have not known anyone who hasn't read this article and not come out feeling disgusted by essentially what it is doing. Personally, I have a spooky music playlist I like to play while reading SCPs when I really like want to just like focus on the SCP and read it. I literally just like went and turned that off halfway through this article because I was like, no, this doesn't fit. This needs to just be read in silence. This article is not scary in the way that most SCPs are scary. This article is scary because people in the real world are scary. And I think that's something that very, very few articles on the site do. And something that nothing else in the 3K contest, I think, hit on anywhere near as viscerally. I feel confident saying that this is an underrated article despite being at plus 500. Because it should be at plus, like, 1300 and some change because it should have won. Well, I think, I think this segment needs a name. It doesn't need a name, but it needs a jingle. And would Ico... Please. Please. <laughs> Ico. What do you want from me? I want a nice little a jingle. A jingle, apparently. I just want a nice little song. I, uh, That's all I require of you. I don't do songs. I don't dance. I don't sing. I don't dance. I, I shuffle around. Well, how about a threat? Sure. Hey, Kirby. <laughs> <laughs> That was an alarm that I forgot that I had set. Um, well, that works. That's a great jingle. <laughs> if you want to use it later, that's the chair. first half second of uh, Cry Thunder from Dragon Force. So that was actually the bomb detonating from under your chair because you were too late. <laughs> Sorry about that, by the way. Um, but l- listen, if you don't t- like, if you don't shut the fuck up about SCP. <laughs> In the next second, we're going to have a problem. So how about you talk about something else for once? Yeah? <laughs> all right. All right. I'll, ta- I'll talk about something that sounds cool on its face, but everyone will realize very fast that it's no- nowhere near as half as cool as what it is. Well, cause- I have to hear this talk so many times because I'm friends with Hexic. Yes. <laughs> well, I don't know Hexic that well. But the thing is that, so I do robotics research for my day-to-day. Um, specifically, I am a PhD candidate working on uh, planning and a, a lot of sensory robotics work. Sorry, I, whenever I give this spiel, I always have to calibrate what level I have to give it at. 
because uh, whenever I talk about academics, it's really easy to accidentally just slip into talking about common filters and slam and just assuming that everyone knows what that means. Honestly, I'd love if we got a good like two minute segment of this where no one of our listeners knows at all what you're talking oh, about. Oh, if you want. Okay. <laughs> um, in that case, I will get... I, okay. So like one of the things that I worked on is I worked on... This will hopefully this will be the most comprehensive part of what I say. Uh, I worked on a stair detection algorithm, like just to give an idea of the kind of problems that I solve. Where essentially I took a point cloud and I first used uh, essentially you're able to take a a derivative over the entire point cloud to figure out where you see certain deltas in uh, specifically the z-axis to make sure that I'm actually looking for stairs. And when I'm able to and I'm able to use that uh, specifically to get um, you, I realize using the word derivative and talking about that isn't quite technically accurate. I was essentially able to get the uh, eigenvector of each individual pixel based off of kind of like the plane that it is a part of. And I was able to use that to, to then I'm able to filter out a whole bunch of, of pixels and I'm able to get a sense of where the edges of the stairs are. And But even then I can't actually draw the lines right. And so then I need to do something called, uh, oh God, I wrote this paper like a year ago. So some of the terms aren't coming to me. It's essentially a filter. A very strange type of filter where you take each point in your xy coordinates and you instead treat it as a polar system and then you drop your points into a grid and whenever they overlap you know that they are on the same line and that's how you figure out which of the points from your point cloud that you've just filtered out now create lines and so that gives me a set of edges that exist in space and now I'm able to essentially set a bunch of thresholds and do a lot more filtering to then uh, group all of these edges into collections of edges. And if you actually looked at most like non-circular staircases, you can characterize the entire staircase, the depth, the height, the width, the, the angle of incline of the actual staircase, just by looking at the spacing between the edges of the steps. And so using that, I'm able to figure figure out where the stairs are located in space. Where do you have to, like, take this data from? Oh, I just went around my campus. So I have a, I, I, there's these things called RealSense cameras that are essentially, uh, they are um, RGBD cameras that give you not just color, but also depth in an image. So I just went around with one of those. And I took a whole bunch of pictures of stairs on my, uh, my local campus. And I just, I just used that. Uh, so this robot needs, like, a pre-map of it, right? Like, it couldn't just, like, look from the bottom of a staircase. Oh, uh, no, that's the idea, is that, is that it just given, given the point cloud of the staircase, essentially, I take my picture with my camera, I get my point cloud from that, there's a very direct process between those two, I can tell you where the stairs are. It, it, the mapping, because who's going to tell you where the stairs are? You're expecting some human to tell you where the stairs are? Humans are terrible at telling you where stairs are. <laughs> Humans are terrible at telling you where most things are. Mapping is, uh, you need to have the robot go out and map for itself. Flesh circuitry is feeble. Metal circuitry is feeble. Oh, flesh circuitry sucks. I mean, also, electric brains also suck. Machine learning is just a whole lot of matrices that we've tricked people into thinking are smart. But the, the flesh... Flesh, are, flesh brains are nowhere near as good at mapping as, as are the little rocks we've tricked into thinking. So you send a robot out and it needs to map itself. And so while it's mapping, it needs to know where the stairs are because obviously this robot, despite being a, a four-wheeled little critter, also has the capacity to climb stairs. So 
that was like one of my projects. The other one that I'm going to be working on, I still haven't done the background reading for it, but we'll probably have to do with uh, temporal planning units, uh, collaborative robotics, essentially a robot that helps someone like start their day or make breakfast, and then also something called semantic frames. Uh, so what I've learned from this conversation is that I am technologically illiterate <laughs> and I have no idea what the fuck you just told me in any regard. <laughs> we, we got out of that conversation with, I think, in my opinion, only six untranslatable uh, concepts. Oh, the words I used are not, we're, we're fairly down to earth because I forgot, like, yes. I forgot, like, two of them, the names of two of the main algorithms I used, so I just described them in slightly more layman's terms. But if I could just read out the, f the six things that caught my attention are point cloud, icon vector, polar system, threshold filtering, temporal planning units, and semantic frames. Not icon vector, eigen vector. Eigen? Well, you know, so even like more weapon, but used correctly. <laughs> can I have that list? Actually, can we name the, 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 this episode just, like, that list? <laughs> that entire list. <laughs> yeah, like just like just write the write every single thing, and uh, and then people have to watch and find out. They'll have to listen really closely to Kirby. That won't even fit on me. the thumbnail. <laughs> Good. Okay. I want it to like go off screen. <laughs> okay, now I actually need to to find the the the, the, one, the one of the names of the algorithms because it's very very. It sounds very fancy. Um, but now I need to actually, but now you're, you're, you want terms and stuff. Right. So, um, so the, uh, if you want to throw random other terms on there of stuff that I used, one of the filtering algorithms was called DB scan D or specifically DB scan clustering. And then in order to figure out the line segments, I used a Huff transformation, <laughs> which I'm not going to spell for you. And I want you to take a guess, which given that I said that H H U E F. No. Ah, oh, Ika, do you want to take a stab? <laughs> Welcome, welcome to the Skip Squad podcast, your premier spelling bee podcast. It's turned into a spelling bee. <laughs> what, what are we spelling? Huff. As in Huff, Huff? transformation. Oh, would it be, wouldn't it be, um, oh god, I'd have to like type it out. It's like H-U-G-H or H-U-F-P-H. You're closer, you're closer. I'll just, I'll just tell you it this way. H-O-U-G-H. That's what I was gonna like. I was just about to say like, okay, then it's probably H O U because yeah, there's only so many ways. Sorry, and then you what's the second that word noise. for that? Huff. Huff transformation. Transformation. They could have just said H U F F. No, it's a it's a person's name. <laughs> well, fuck that guy. He could have made a better he name. Tra he should have changed his name. Should have changed his name. Okay, so you want to just read that out? Who are we asking to read it out? Jump in. Okay. Wait, what? <laughs> I have been doing a lot of talking, so you should go okay. for it. Okay, it's point cloud, DB scan clustering, icon vector, polar system, threshold filtering, huff transformation. Which, by the way, this could read off as like a list of fetishes. It sounds really weird. <laughs> Eigenvector, whatever. Eigenvector. Eigenvector. Sure. It's not even a real word. It's also word. someone's name and also something. It's also a term <laughs> that people abuse on the wiki. You know what I'm learning? Fucking humans suck at naming. Humans are terrible at naming. Uh... You know what we could name the podcast? Just the first letter of all of this. So P-D-E-P-T-H. P -D -E -P -T -H. <laughs>
Padith. Padith. And put like a dot between it. And then be like, and then just have like a, in brackets, Captain Kirby's Bible. Wait, it's P-Depth. It's just full on just P-Depth. That's, if you use the right term, I know it is. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. <laughs> Please you don't are, do it anymore. That's the name of the episode. P depth. There you go. <laughs> uh, I'm in agony. All okay, right, let's well, get to have... this final SCP and get out of here because I'm I'm sick of this. I don't want to be thinking about P depth no more. Tired. <laughs> all right, all right. This this will bring us then to the last tale, uh, which is. Another end of death piece called There's a Hole in the Bottom of the Wishing Well by Tufto. Because I had to include a Tufto piece here. Everyone knows 5005. Most people know 6005. Tufto has also a lot of other really underrated SCPs, but like Tufto Tales hit different. And like, yes, this is another end of death piece, but also this is my, f- like, this is probably my favorite Tufto thing. I, like I maybe if I went back through his repertoire one more time, I might be able to find one that's better. But it's like number one or number two. I have quite a few favorite Tufto pieces. It's hard not to have a few favorite Tufto pieces. Tufto is a treasure. The new series, Foundation of Nomads, I am so pumped for. It's been so amazing in just like the first three tales. Ooh, um, sorry to tell you, I don't know if no. that's gonna finish. Much like no. every Tufto tale series. Well, even just, like, the first three are really good. Yeah, no, they're really good. They're really good. But, yeah, it's it's a Tufto Tale Series project. <laughs> Tufto has the same ability to finish a Tale Series as Taffeta, which I realize most of the audience doesn't know who that is, and that makes me kind of sad. Uh, I'm going to be fully honest. The only thing I can picture from when you I hear the word Taffeta is just their profile picture. I don't know the stuff that they've done. I think it, they, they, they did a really, really popular thing during uh, 5K Con, and I think it was 5370. I don't remember the number because it was 5K Con, so all the numbers happened afterwards. Okay, now I feel really bad because I just typed into Google to try and find something that I recognize of theirs. I put in Taffeta, and it says previously I've searched Taffeta space SCP. So wonderful. I feel wonderful. bad that I don't remember it. But anyways, anyways, this is, luckily, this Tufto Tale isn't part of a series. It's a standalone. In the end of death world where one of the other aspects of end of death I didn't touch on last time, but it's important to this, is that Prometheus Labs is running essentially a business where they are allowing people to transfer their brain from one body into another. So that way they can escape their old decaying shell of a, of a person and, and take on a younger, more youthful one. But then there's always the question, and this question is answered in a few places in different ways, which I think is wonderful. But there's the question of, where do they get the bodies from? Because the answer is, they don't grow them. They grow them, in a sense. No, they don't. They don't grow them. So so let's not confuse people here. Uh, There's one tale that is the uh, quality over quantity approach to body gathering. But Tufto's tale is more the quantity over quality approach. And again, it's just another really good example of ace pros on the site. Oh my goodness. Like, opening sentence. Imagine, if you will, a hole. Like, just the way that that sentence kind of plays itself out, that it's very clearly places for you to pause and kind of take a breath. 
Like, the sentence, like, forces itself to be thought to be read in a very specific way. And that kind of rhythm, that kind of lilt, is persistent throughout the rest of the tale. I mean, just the the title along with that, imagine there's a hole in the bottom of the wishing well. Or not imagine, but there's a hole in the bottom of the wishing well. Yeah, yeah. Like, it you throw your coin nicely. down, it's not hitting the end. You're not getting your wish. Yeah, exactly. So so it, that lilt, that kind of rhythm, and also that kind of detached, like, imagine if you will a hole. Like, you can imagine yourself sitting back at, you're at, you're at therapy because we're all, we all need to go to therapy. Um, you're sitting there and you're being, and, and, and you're kind of hearing this kind of disconnected sort of voice and that kind of like disembodied kind of view that's not exactly emotionally invested in what's going on. It's not like there's never any emotional prose that's there, but it's very clear that the narrator's perspective doesn't have a personal connection to the people or events that it is describing. And that continues throughout. And again, very much doubles down on the theme of in end of death, the world doesn't care about you. The, the actual story follows. Again, if you haven't read it, pause the podcast, go read it, and then come back. As it goes, it's essentially a story about, in, if you've ever heard of the walled city of Kowloon, it's this incredibly densely populated little block of buildings in, I think, Hong Kong. It's either Hong Kong or like China proper, and I don't remember exactly where. It's it's this is it, for a while until it was essentially disbanded and everyone was forced out because of safety hazards. It was the most densely populated space in the world, and essentially this takes place in a in, a, in an area kind of like that, um, where most people don't ever see the light of the the sunlight because they aren't able to really go up top to the to the roofs. And there's a very like clear gang hierarchy within these walls. And the story is essentially a mother and a daughter, like a mother who's trying to provide for her daughter. And she gets caught by these people who are, who just literally go, they raid the city. They capture relatively young, healthy looking people um, to bring back to be new, uh, new shells for other people to, uh, to inhabit. And so she gets, it's, it's, it's about the way that, that she gets captured. It's about the steps that her daughter takes in her absence it does this really good job of switching back and forth between multiple pseudo points of view. The other like big thing is, I mean, it's like 15 different vignettes, <laughs> like short little uh, segments. Yeah. And each one starts with imagine something. And I mean, that takes on a whole new meaning at the end of it, but I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please do just go read the whole thing. Cause the, yeah, the repetition of the word imagine the way that it bounces from place to place, from piece to piece, like there's a, there's there's a a really cool thing that I like that I see in internet fiction, but I don't see it in like kind of more traditional prose or like magazine stories or like anything novel, like like that you see in a novel, and that's this really fast jumping back and forth between perspectives. Uh, like dedicating no more than a few hundred words to any individual like section before going to another one. Because it really allows for this really interesting kind of pacing where you get a snapshot of a person going to work 
And then we see all of this world building and backstory and lore just kind of get plopped right after that. And then it gives a new context to the piece that you've just read. And then when we jump back into the fray, when we jump back into uh, the actual present tense plotline, the, the foreground story, it also gives more meaning to that. So essentially, instead of having to do this thing where you have to both work on flowing your narrative into your world building into your narrative it's very staccato it's very rigid it's very jumpy but it makes each section a lot more potent at what it's trying to do instead of trying to just dip and dab a little bit of world building here and there it's a very incredible piece it's so good that the last line is 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 straight up haunting it's so good and for our last line we're going to be um reading emails which is a new thing we're doing congratulations us we've gotten big enough that we have an email it's not even it's not even emails sent to us we just uh we actually hacked into kirby's account and we're just going to be reading random emails yeah uh they've gotten that's good because i haven't read my email in a while (laughs) yeah we can cover that now don't you worry uh there's only one uh it seems that nobody wants to talk to you i'm very sorry this is from good a who was a guest a while back he says, hey there, gamers, it's me, everyone's favorite guest G'day, still suffering away with within Alagata after you shoved me through some strange flesh hole. Please let me out, I'm very scared. No. Well, first of all, no. And second of all, I don't know who gave you the title of favorite guest, but they were lying. Our favorite guest is... Kirby. I, I, I look forward to losing that title soon. <laughs> yeah, no, once the next episode comes out, you're gone. So uh, I'd savor it while you can. You know? Understandable. Cool, cool. So I think that wraps us up then. We finished up everything yeah, no, we did. We, we finally got out of here. We definitely I, well, finished the whole everything. list of everything that we planned to do. We definitely got to all of it. We didn't accidentally skip over an SCP. Accidentally? Accidentally in our hearts. I feel bad <laughs> intentionally skipping over it. I'll just, do you want to just say the name of it? Because just a little shout yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, essentially, because if we did talk about this, I would go on for another 30 minutes. SCP-5935, Blood and the Breaking of My Heart by DJ Cactus. Go read that if you haven't. Okay, so I'm going to mute Kurt Kirby now to make sure he doesn't go off on a 30-minute long tangent. Oh yeah, I got the tape. <laughs> Get the tape. And, as we say at the end of every episode... Kirby? I haven't watched this before. What do you mean? What, what, no, do, we what, do, we, what do we say at the end of every episode? Kirby. You act like I read the site or consume any of the related media. That's right. You act like I read the, the site or consume, consume any, any of form of media. media. <laughs> Have oh, a good night, everybody. Thank you so much, Kirby. Have a good night, everyone. <laughs> that was horrible. I didn't record any of it. <laughs>